When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Across the Romanverse, episode 140. It's Steve and Jimmy here. We're, uh, we're back from a week off. We, we took a week in between. Not much going on the, the Mercato, unfortunately. Uh, that's actually come to fruition, Jim. But here we are. We're back. We have some things to talk about. And uh, yeah, I mean, whew, what it's been quite the market, huh? Yeah, I mean, we knew from day one that especially without getting Champions League football, that Roma was going to be somewhat hamstrung on the transfer market this summer. Uh, and it's a real shame that Roma wasn't able to get uh, that Champions League cash because it really could have helped them fight for certain players, which I'm sure that we'll get to in a moment. I do want to remind people, though, and maybe this is a good way to start off the uh, podcast because we're going to be talking about individual transfers probably for the rest. Um, I do want to remind people that in terms of who we've brought in already, we brought in some of the best free agent signings you could expect. Uh, so Evan and Dicka was like a Bundesliga team of the year level player who we were able to sign on a free transfer and is one of the big reasons why when we talk about Rodri Banez's potential transfer to the Premier League, I'm not worried about that very much um, because in my mind, I was always, even before the Tammy Abraham ACL tear, I was always anticipating an Ibanez sale this summer. Um, and bringing in uh, a guy like Indica on a free is fantastic. Um, Hosem Awar has looked really good um, in terms of link-up play. I'm not even just talking about like ending an assist. I'm just talking about how he looks on the pitch with a guy like Paolo Dybala and how he pairs with Lorenzo Pellegrini. That's looked great too. And uh, as, you know, we were able to, we complimented Tiago Pinto on this earlier in the Mercato, being able to get rid of a lot of this deadwood. Um, so we knew from day one that it was going to be a lean market. And given that confine, uh, I'm pretty satisfied with a lot of the moves that have already been made. Of course, we're going to have to try to figure out if we can bring in a striker or not. Uh, that's a key factor. And if we bring in a good one, then I would say it's a very successful Mercato. But I can understand why people are frustrated. Uh, I think a lot of it does come down to financial fair play more than anything else, which has become a lot more stringent in the past year or so. There was a renegotiation of how financial fair play worked, and it essentially made it a lot harder for a club like Roma to bring in anybody while they're under the type of agreement they're under with UEFA. Uh, so 
Steve, what do you think about the Tiago Pinto angle? I mean, he's got been, we talked about this before the pod started. He's been getting a lot of heat on Twitter. You can tell from the way that I just talked about the market so far. I think that's unjustified. Uh, what's your point of view? Yeah, it, it's tough because he is getting a lot of heat. And I don't know how much of it is within his control because of those financial fair play constraints that you mentioned. Um, but I, I think, and I don't know how much, it's hard to tell how much is true sometimes in the papers, you know, because, you know, some of these articles are written to sell papers. It, is Roma as close as they are to some of these free agents? Or is it, you know, the paper making it sound that way and then it sounds like Pinto can't close the deal? I I, th- I have to think a lot of it has to do with finances because if Scamaca wanted Roma that bad and Roma was interested, they would have found a way to get him, I think, right? I think the same thing with Fratesi last summer and then into this summer. And I think the fact that they're losing out on players like Fratesi and Scamaca that are homegrown, um, Scamaca a little less so because he did leave in his teen years, but these are guys that came through the Roma Academy. And I, I you know, there's always that attachment with the, the Romans. And um, the fact that they're going to lose out to two Romans, probably Inter on both of them, I think puts him under even more heat. Um, and it, it's just, I think people are getting frustrated with the fact Romans didn't sign anybody besides free agents and loans. But like you mentioned, the free agents are solid free agents. But I, I referenced this on Twitter because I was going back and forth with a couple of people the other day. I think a lot of the free agent signing has to do with Jose Mourinho. Um, the pull of Mourinho, I think, is what brings in players like Indica and Noir and, and Dybala. I don't think we get those guys if we have, you know, EDF or Fonseca, for example, in charge still. So I, no, I agree I, with you on some level on that, but I do want to push back a little bit. That kind of seems like a catch-22 for Thiago Pinto then, because then if we sign anybody impressive, like, let's just be honest, like, we'll talk more about him in depth later, but Marcos Leonardo is thought of as one of the most exciting striker prospects on the planet under the age of 21. If we sign him, are like, are we just going to say, oh, that's because Jose Mourinho has that much of pull? Like, are we going to give any credit to Thiago Pinto? And like, I kind of feel like you, you win if you lose. You win if it's like heads I win, tails you lose with Thiago Pinto and the way that some people treat him sometimes in the sense that it's like, well, yeah, Mourinho's got a name brand, but are we all going to blame Thiago Pinto for every mistake and never give him credit for the successes? Well, of course, I, I think it's a double-sided coin in, in that regard, right? Um, he has to complete the deals. He controls the money. I give him a lot of credit for the sales he's made. Um, I think I don't think anybody can deny that he's done a good job with that. Getting rid of, I mean, just this summer alone, you, you got rid of Cloyver, you got rid of Carlos Perez, Brian Reynolds, uh, Shamordov's on loan, Vina's on loan. Um, you know, players like that. I think the thing that bothers people is players like Vina and Shamordov were bought by him and they didn't pan out two summers ago. And uh, I think that reflects on him. And I, I think that's where he gets some heat too, because some of the, the players he spent a little bit more money on have been some of the, the not so great signings that he's made. And I, I, I think that has a lot to do with where some of the heat comes from. That might be fair, but I'm just going to also say, do we ever think that some of those signings might be Jose Mourinho signings too? Like it's, it's, it's just interesting to me. I'm a big, I'm a fan of Mourinho overall. You know that anyone who listens to the podcast know that I generally support Mourinho as coach, but it is fascinating to me in the transfer market that any player who does not like, n- like look like a superstar from day one. Well, that was clearly not a Mourinho buy. That was a Tiago Pinto trying something different by, but when we bring in a guy who's good, 
that has to be a Mourinho buy. Um, like it, it just, I feel like it misunderstands the general dynamic that exists between a general manager and a head coach, even a head coach of Mourinho's caliber. My general understanding of how these dynamics work is that it's really a partnership. And I feel like both Mourinho and Tiago Pinto have emphasized that in their interviews uh, that they've said repeatedly, like, you know, we work together on this. And of course, you know, Mourinho might prefer one player to another, but at the same time, I, my general understanding of how it works is that like the coach is often going to say like, I need a player of this profile. And then they work to find that player. So I, I guess my, I'm, I'm just very skeptical of some of the criticism that Tiago Pinto receives. And that's not even to say that I think that Mourinho deserves more criticism. I think it's just to say that like, I don't think he's working completely separate from Mourinho and like springing this idea of like Marcos Leonardo on him. Like, I don't think, like, I think that, that was always interesting to see on Twitter in the past couple of days. People are like, oh, this is definitely not a Mourinho buy. And it's like, you do realize that Mourinho is like, probably the most important footballing figure at the club right now, right? Like, it's not like we're, we're going to drop 20 million euros, 18 million euros on a player without him giving the okay. So, I mean, there's just a lot of hype and there's just a lot of flack that uh, Thiago Pinto gets that I don't necessarily know is justified. And I think it misunderstands the dynamic between general manager and a coach. Yeah, I, I agree in that sense. I don't think they're going to spend 20 million euros on anybody without Jose giving the at least the thumbs up to it, I, I would imagine, because they don't have a lot of money to spend for him to begin with. And if they start buying players that he's not too keen on, it's probably not going to create the best dynamic between the two uh, of them and probably not create the best situation for the, the squad on the pitch because he's not going to have the type of players he needs. Um, but I, I think a lot of it is just, to frustration from the fan base because Roma can't make these signings. And, and, and I think Pinto becomes the scapegoat. He's a lot easier scapegoat than Mourinho because his job is to sign players. And, and he's, you know, he kind of has to rubber stamp everything because he's the, the general manager of the club. Um, it really is a, a, a tough situation. I don't envy his situation because he can't go out and spend money on a whim and say, oh, you know what, Tammy's hurt. Here's 30 million. Let's get the Skamaka deal done and dusted right away. We need another midfielder, you know, Fratesi, 35 million last year, whatever they wanted done. He's on the team last year. He plays the whole season for Roma. And maybe he changes that, the, the outcome on the pitch a little bit in the league because of the, the type of season he had for Sesswell. So I, I do think he becomes a scapegoat in some ways. Um, and I would and- just add on top of that, that it's kind of important for us to contextualize, to just understand people talk about Roma being broke a lot. And I think it's really important to emphasize Roma is not broke. Uh, there's a very big difference between being broke and being under financial regulations about what you can spend and what you can't spend. There's very specific rules right now for financial fair play about the valuation of the squad and how it can go up or down. And Roma needs to follow that if they want to be able to qualify for European competitions. Do I think that we're getting to a point where it's obviously kind of insane that certain clubs don't care about it. And we do. And we seem to get the short end of the stick every time from UEFA. Yeah. I would hundred percent say that I'm sick and tired of financial fair play being a factor here. But at the same time, I wouldn't want Roma to act like Juventus either. Like I wouldn't want them to, to fudge the books just so that we can bring in better players. Uh, to me, that seems like a really bad long-term idea that would probably result 
in what happened at Juventus, which was the entire board of directors losing their job. Um, so I would just say in general that Thiago Pinto said, I believe in February or March, that the next year or two of being under this financial fair play rule, it's going to be painful sometimes in terms of what Roma's able to do and what Roma isn't able to do. It's going to require, like, if Roma's able to build a Champions League side, side without the Champions League money this summer, like let's say Rome was able to get top four, I'll be very impressed with both Mourinho and Thiago Pinto because they're really doing this on hard mode. Um, you know, like it's like you're not doing it. In, it's not like in FIFA where you can just like throw $500,000 at a 16 year old, you know, has like 95 potential. Scouting players is hard. Um, finding players that fit within your budget is hard, especially with the budget Roma has. So overall, I would just say, wait and see a little bit. It's still only August 3rd. My sense is that we'll talk about him more shortly, but either the Marcus Leonardo um, transfer happens in the next couple of days, or I don't think it happens at all. Uh, And if we are able to bring him in and a player, either like Alexis Sanchez or Arnatovich, I would say that's quite a good Mercado uh, overall, like bringing in and Dick, like if we hadn't, didn't think of them as free transfer, free agent signings, Bringing in Indica, Awar, Marcos Leonardo, and Arnatovich would be thought of as quite a good transfer market, right? Like, like Indica probably would have gone for quite a lot of money, and same with Awar. So, like, I would just say, let's not behead people and, like, parade them around the town square just yet. I, I think that there's reason for optimism, even if it's incredibly frustrating what financial parameters Roma has to play with at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, don't forget, we do need a midfielder. So if that's Renato Sanchez, uh, who seems to be the guy that's coming in, we'll see um, that, that that's supposed to be materializing. They're saying um, it, it's going to be, you know, overall the Mercato and we'll obviously have to assess it when, Roma finishes making their moves. But when you think of Indica and LR and what they add to the squad, that instantly bumps up the grade of the Mercato, right? I, th- I think that bumps it up a lot. If you get a Renato Sanchez, it probably helps too because he's a player they were linked with in the past who has good potential, but he's been kind of injured a bit. Um, at striker, Marcos Leonardo is going to be a bit of a question mark until we see him on the pitch if he, if he is the one that comes in. And Arnautovic is a professional striker. You know, he's been around. Uh, he's a guy who knows how to the ball in the net, uh, not the flashy signing. Um, he's now 34 years old. So he'd be kind of more that veteran, uh, assurance, I guess, to go along with Bellotti, who's another veteran. I am curious to, to see where it goes. I know Morata was at least in the media, Mourinho's top choice for a long time now. And now apparently Juventus has come back in on him because they're having issues with Lukaku, uh, and getting that over the line. So that, that can become very interesting if, uh, if that, in fact, is what happens. Um, but, you know, Arnatovich throughout his career has been a, a decent player. So we'll see if they, if that does materialize along with uh, Leonardo. Because I, I do think if they bring in Marcos Leonardo, I think they do have to potentially add a set, another striker too uh, on a, a cheaper deal um, just to give some security because, in part, because Belotti's coming off such a poor season. I don't think it's possible for Belotti to be as poor as he was last year. I really don't. Um don't say that, man. <laughs> I, just, I, I just don't see how he can be that bad in terms of goal scoring output. Um, yeah, it, it I mean, it boggles, it is fair. It like the, the, the attack was just 
we talk about like you know variance and the and the ability to say like small sample size. We didn't have a small sample size last season, but we did have just such a weird like we had like a black swan year when it came to our goal our goal scores. Like I remember writing the attack preview coming into the season, being like, this might be on paper the most exciting attack that Roma has had in seasons. And honestly, I stand by that statement. On paper, that that attack was really impressive looking. Uh, we had Paolo, like the idea of Paolo Dybala feeding a former Capo Canoniere and Tammy Abraham, who looked at that point like he could become one of a Capo Canoniere. Yeah. Um, not to mention Nicolo Zaniolo, not to mention Stefan El Sharawi, not to mention um, Christian Volpato, who had already been looking rather impressive in starts already. Like there was a lot of reason for strong optimism coming into the year for the attack. And that's kind of part of the reason why I'm not as doom and gloom as everybody seems to be right now about Roma, because I think about how optimistic I was going into last season, and it was a bit of a downer for various reasons. And I think about how Napoli fans felt going into last season. Napoli fans were out for blood at the beginning of last season. They hated their summer Mercado going in, and they thought that they had just screwed the pooch of any chance at Champions League football. And then they won the Scudetto. So I would say that one of the great things and one of the terrible things about Serie A right now is that first place through sixth place, there's a lot more parity than there was in the 2010s. And what that means is that if players are able to get into good form, if Roma makes the right signings, like I really, I said this on, in our writer's group chat and Bren kind of laughed, but I think that there is a such large variance for Roma that I would not be surprised if Roma got between second and seventh place this season i think that that like all of those places are within grasp for roma especially if they get the right striker yeah they need a striker and and i do think they need another midfielder in order to push for that second end of that spectrum um but i do think there's a lot of variance and we've seen it the past couple years like you said napoli was one of those teams that was projected probably sixth or seventh by a lot of people last year because of all the sales they made and they won the league by running away really um and, and just on Belotti, because I mentioned it, like, this is why I don't think he could ever be that bad again. And and I could put my foot in my mouth uh, about 10 months from now or whatever. But this is his goal-scoring numbers through his career. First year was a Serie B season with Palermo. When he was 19, he scored 10 goals. And he had six with Palermo before he went to Torino. He had 12, 26, 10, 15, 16, 13, um, and then eight the season before he came to Roma. And that was kind of an injury-plague season. So... And that's to go along. I mean, the season he scored 26 goals, he had seven assists, he had five the next season. So he was contributing to goals left or right in the league. I mean, he was at least contributing to close to 20 goals a season between goals and assists. And then last year he had two assists and no goal scored. I mean, it was mind boggling. I, I don't think he's, I think that 26 goal season was an aberration um, based on the rest of his, his career. But, you know, 10 to 15 goals if he's playing enough is is not out of the, you know, what should be expected of him. Um, so I'm hoping he bounces back because if they do bring in a young striker like, uh, Marcos Leonardo, I, I do think he's going to need support. I, you can't just throw the kid to the wolves right away. I don't think, uh, and, and expect him to be the man and go in week in and week out under that pressure and perform. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that, but I think that's a good time to segue into kind of the most optimistic portion of our podcast today, which I would imagine we'll be discussing the, reportedly very nearly finished signing of Marcos Leonardo to Roma. Uh, for those who have not been paying attention to the news for the past couple of days, 
Uh, Marcos Leonardo is a 20-year-old striker currently playing for Santos uh, in the Brazilian uh, Serie A. He's been their starting striker since he was 16. Uh, and during that time, he's racked up, I believe, upwards of 40 goals uh, in 100 or so appearances across all competitions. Uh, alongside, you know, the guys who have been netted up by Real Madrid, uh, like Endrick, uh, he's thought of as kind of the future for the uh, Brazilian national team. And uh, Roma have been reportedly turning to him as the alternative now that Gianluca Scamacca, as Steve mentioned, uh, is headed towards Inter. Now, I agree with what Steve said at the beginning of this before I gave that little spiel that it is definitely a higher risk scenario to bring in him. And I definitely wouldn't recommend only bringing him in. I think that bringing in a pairing him with a veteran would be the smart move. Uh, however, I will say that, you know, one variation of the Tiago Pinto hate has always been, I miss when Walter Sabatini used to bring in Brazilian ta talent or Argentinian talents that are exciting. Well, it looks like we might be getting that. Um, in terms of most exciting striker prospects in the world, I don't know if any of you were watching the U20 World Cup. I caught a few games, especially the ones Italy was involved in. The one game that Brazil had against Italy, Marcos Leonardo looked great. I will just say he looked fantastic against Italy, scored two goals, and was basically one of the few things really propping Brazil up against Italy. Uh, he, was, he got the silver boot. In the U20 World Cup this year, he scored five goals, which made him the second highest scorer. And is he 100% ready for prime time? Is he going to be like, you know, I don't know. Is he going to be Pele from day one? No. Um, but I would say that it seems like an exciting transfer. And in a moment where Romanisti have been kind of starved for exciting transfers, uh, it's nice to have one that feels like it might be coming to fruition. Of course, over the past day or two, there's been a lot of weird, funky rumors, which we'll now get into. Uh, my way of viewing it is that there's been kind of a difference between what Brazilian sources have been saying about this deal and what Italian sources have been saying about this deal. Sky Sports has been kind of banging the same drum for the past 72 hours uh, as of this recording, saying that Roma's offered around 10 million base with 6 to 8 million in bonuses. Uh, and that the main thing that's being negotiated right now is the timing of that payment. So obviously given Roma's financial issues, Tiago Pinto has reportedly been trying to make it such that that 18 million euros, including bonuses, is spread out over a extended period of time. Whereas Santos, given their even worse financial situation, are trying to get more of that money now for obvious reasons. The Brazilian media, on the other hand, has said things along the lines of that Roma is only paying 6 million euros for, uh, for Marcos Leonardo, which, of course, got Santos fans livid, which is understandable. He's an incredibly exciting prospect. Six million euros doesn't really usually, isn't usually the going rate for exciting Brazilian prospects these days. Uh, and others saying eight million, that was promptly rejected by Santos. Uh, earlier today, uh, Falcao, who is actually a uh, Roma legend, he's in the Hall of Fame for the club, uh, and won the World Cup with Brazil back in the day and played for Santos, which is why he's now their director of sport, uh, came out and said, Roma submitted a bid that was far too low. Uh, if they submit another bid like that, I don't think this is going anywhere. Uh, 
which is kind of interesting based off of the fact that throughout this entire process, Seria um, sources have been saying, no, Roma submitted a bid around 18 million dollars, 18 million euros total. Uh, I don't really know what to make of that beyond the idea that maybe the Brazilian sources are getting bad information or they're getting good information. Like, we really don't know what's going on here. Steve, yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there were quotes yeah. earlier today about, I mean, we're recording late on Thursday here on the East Coast of the U.S. There were quotes that were put out there. Um, Fabrizio Romano put it out there. It was from Falcao. It said, no chance to make the deal happen with Roma for Marcos Leonardo. The conditions are far from realistic. The proposal's too low. No chance for the fee in terms of payment. I can't see how this can happen. I don't know if that was him saving face um, as I they negotiate behind the scenes. Face. But the fact that an hour later Sky Sports says that they just that Santos and Roma had another meeting where an alternative proposal with different scheduling was submitted and they think that's going to happen. Like that says to me that he's trying to save face. But I, I don't know. It's open up to it's open to interpretation. What do you think about that, Steve? Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's Roma again is not in the most advantageous position to make payments right away. But I also think here, this is one of those situations where Roma is the uh, more financially stable club, so to speak. Um, like you mentioned, Santos has a lot of their own issues in terms of finances. And it's different than negotiating with like a West Ham or a PSG like they've been doing for Scamacca and, and um, Sanchez and even you know negotiating with Sassuolo for Fratesi. Santos is a team that more needs to sell. So this could be just kind of a ploy from Falcao to say, you know what, I got them to go up a couple million euros or whatever it might be. Um, because this is one of their homegrown guys, 19, 20 years old, you know, exciting prospect. Like you said, represented Brazil well at the under 20 world cup. And he's um, broken a lot of records that uh, Neymar set for Santos in terms of gold scored at each youth level as he was going up the Academy ranks. So this is a guy who they really, you know, have invested a lot of, He's like one of their few bright spots in the squad at the moment. And it's actually interesting to look at his statistics because some people have been pulling up and saying, oh, this doesn't look that impressive. It becomes a whole lot more impressive when you realize how poorly um, Santos has been playing. And he's basically been dragging them, kicking and screaming to getting any points whatsoever this season. Uh, they've been running with something like, with a level of possession that would make Roma blush, like 25% possession every game. And... When you're playing like that, it's not exactly easy for a striker to perform. And if you look at how he's been performing in these matches, I've been trying to find highlights wherever I can. If you give him a chance, it looks like he's going to make the most of it, which considering how poorly Roman, Roma strikers have been over the past year um, when it came to actually converting chances, that's kind of what Roma needs. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to, to watch highlights yet. I did read the really thorough um, scouting report by Peter Pen, uh, Pankowski on breaking the lines. If anybody hasn't read it yet, I, I retweeted it yesterday. Really, really thorough. Talks a lot about him. Very highly rated player. Uh, one thing that stood out to me is the, uh, the style of play that Santos has had to play is a very low possession style, similar to what we've really seen from Roman de Marina the last couple of years. And it seems that he is good at that hold-up play, finding those those spaces uh, on the counterattack and, and moving the counterattack along and, you know, getting other players involved and, and things like that and, and dropping into the midfield to receive the ball and, and the counterattack. Um, it seems like he's going to be accustomed at least to the style of play if Roma continues to play where they're more on the uh, 
not the back foot, but just trying to counterattack more than they are to, you know, hold possession. This seems to suit him well. Um, again, young player, but it seems like he's got a nose for goal. He, and that's something that Roma could certainly use. Intriguing prospect for sure. I, I, you know, if it's 10 million and the rest are bonuses that he has to be with performances, I'm okay with it. If they have to go to like the 16 or 18 straight cash and then he doesn't pan out, then it doesn't look so good because, you know, we saw what happened with Vina coming from Palmeiras, you know, come from the Brazilian league. Uh, we saw what happened with Shamordov. So I know we mentioned earlier in the show, Pinto's already kind of fighting that reputation. So he's, he's going to need this player to pan out. I think if, uh, you know, for his sake too, as a, as a general manager. Yeah. I mean, I a hundred percent agree with that. I would push back a little bit on equating Shamurdov with Marcos Leonardo here. Well, I'm um, just talking more in terms of some that they're spending on it. It's a similar that's sum. Fair. That's fair. That it's a similar sum. I think that there's more of, I would argue that there's more expectation when you're spending that sum, especially in today's overinflated transfer market on a 20 year old, as opposed to a, guy in his mid-20s who's more mainly played for a smaller side or a left back who's supposed to be kind of like the finished article like when we were signing uh Vina like the idea was that he was like kind of there um and that obviously has not really come to fruition uh but uh, we'll see we'll see if it actually happens I mean my as I said before my guess is that this will be wrapped up by the end of the week one or by the end of the next several days one way or the other um, and I'm optimistic that it turns into an actual deal simply because of how fast this has moved. Like this was not a story until like three or four days ago. Um, so the fact that this has been moving relatively quickly and Santos has already brought their replacement does give me some optimism. Yeah, it certainly came out of nowhere. It wasn't one that we expected. Um, name was never linked prior. That, that, that's kind of what we've seen with the freaking. So we'll see if it progresses. Um, we have to do have to take a quick uh, ad break here, and then we're going to be back to talk a little more transfer market. All right, so this Leonardo deal, we think it's going to get over the, the line, Jim, which means that Skamaka probably won't be coming. I, I think before we get to a possible outgoing transfer, we just have to kind of, I, I guess at this point, close the book on Skamaka. I mean, are you frustrated with him with the way that played out? I'm frustrated in some ways. I'm not surprised in others. I think that if West Ham had accepted the loan with obligation deal, I think we probably would have him already. Like I, it strikes me that Roma is a would 100% fine would be or be 100% fine with throwing 30 million euros at Skamaka if it was delayed by a year effectively. That seemed to be basically what the offer was, that it was like, "Hey, loan him for a season and when we make champions league or if he makes a certain number of appearances we'll give you 30 million euros that seemed to be the face value offer and it seems like that wasn't enough obviously uh though inter now seem to be having some second thoughts about the financing of that deal as well which has allowed atalantis to squeak in uh and try and make a straight cash offer uh so we'll see what happens with the act where he eventually ends up i am disappointed that he didn't come back uh, because he's one of the more exciting Italian strikers that I've seen in a while. Uh, let's be honest, basically since the Totti generation, and maybe with a glimpse of it in, for Balotelli, Roma, I mean, Italy's strikers have been pretty mid, 
and they've not been exciting. Skamaka isn't even like world class exciting. Uh, I wouldn't say, but he's exciting enough. He's more exciting than I've seen any other Italian striker be in the past 10 to 15 years. And it would have been cool to have him back on a sentimental level. It would have been cool to have him back in the sense that you get the sense that if you got have Italian players, if you have players who are Roman in particular, that they might stick around for the long haul. Uh, but at the same time, I get why you wouldn't want to fork over 30 million euros for him, like just from day one. Like even if Roma had the full financial flexibility to do so, I would imagine that there would be hesitation to throw 30 million euros his way. What do you think about that? Yeah, we don't know how close they were. Uh, I understand why West Ham might want money up front, but West Ham also just got a lot of money from Declan Rice, so they're not cash-strapped in any way. I just, I guess they didn't like the terms of the deal because, or they just didn't believe Roma was going to make Champions League. Uh, That that could be too, because then they might have figured they might have him back and then they got to deal with the next season. To me, the most frustrating part is, isn't that even that West Ham didn't like the offer because they're under no obligation to to bend to Roma's wishes and say, you know, oh yeah, we'll we'll wait till next year. As long as you make top four, we'll we'll let you make it permanent. I, I understand why they wanted a, a, a full on obligation if that was the case, because from their perspective, they they end up with like what we had with Justin Cloyver, right? Every year looking for a place to send the kid. Um what is more frustrating is the fact that this is probably going to be Inter again. And Inter just got Fratesi. Uh, who Roma was after for over a year. And now you're going to see the player who's linked to get, it's very similar to the Fratesi situation last year, even though Fratesi made the, the move this summer, where he was linked with Roma. He wanted Roma. He wants to come back to Rome. They've got a, you know, a, an agreement with the player. He's he's all in on it. You know, He's sending out like those signals on social media and everything, especially uh, Skamak in those interviews. And then they just can't find a way to bring him home. And, this isn't just like the sentimental Roman signing. I don't think, I think both these players are very talented. And I think they both could really help the team. It's not like just bringing it back, you know, anybody from the Primavera side that went elsewhere and then is now ready to come back. Um, that's what annoys me the most. And then if Inter does get this over the line for 25 million euros, that's less than Roma was willing to pay overall for the transfer, which hurts even more. But it also brings us to a potential sale, which popped up today yeah. uh, for that same fee. And, I'm sitting here thinking, like, if Rodri Banyas is sold for 25 to 30 million, which now uh, is it's not only Bournemouth uh, that's linked with him. Nicholas Skira tweeted that two English sides are uh, talking to the agent. So if you have two sides involved, maybe Roma can push it to close to 30 million euros. Like, do you try to get back in on Skamaka with that money? Is West Ham maybe one of those sides that was interesting because they were. They were mentioned a couple weeks ago as potentially looking at Ibanez. Uh, maybe they can make something happen. I don't. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that if they close on Leonardo bef- and the Ibanez sale before they do before Skamaka closes on Inter, I I I'd be very disappointed if they at least kick the tires on trying to get Skamaka to come over if uh, he's still open to that. Yeah, I mean. Part of me thinks that might be an interesting idea. Another part of me thinks that I don't, I'm, I'm kind of trying to protect my heart now because I was very excited about Fratezzi and Skamaka. I would have thought like, if you had asked me what my perfect Mercado window would have been, it would have been signing Indica, Awar, 
Fratesi, Skamaka, close the doors. Like maybe allow for a uh, Ibanya sale given that we've signed in Dika. Um, but yeah, I would not have been like, I would have, re- I really wanted that. And so the that idea to me is like an a-, a Mercato, right? If that, if that, that isn't, that, that would have been an A Mercato. I, let me, let me pose this to you. What if we get, instead of Fratesi and Skamaka, we get Renato Sanchez on loan, we get Marcos Leonardo, and we get Morata. Would that be, what type of, how would you grade that, that Mercato? If we lose, and we lose Ibanez for 30 million euros. If they got Morata and Leonardo, Leonardo. And Sanchez, I and I'm not a big fan of Morata, but I think if you could get a player like that that has a lot of Serie A experience and is at, usually at least a double digit goal guy, and you bring in the young exciting player on top of that with a pretty talented midfielder and, and the two players they've already signed, I'd probably go more in the B B plus range. I wouldn't be so yeah. bad on it. I would put it in the B, the B plus range too. Uh, with potential to be higher, depend like, and I feel like we say this every year, but we don't actually respond to it. Uh, you can't really judge a market until like a year or two later. Yeah, because, you see what the players actually do. Yeah, because let me put it this way: as not to be too high on the Marcos Leonardo hype train, but if this guy's legit and we sign him, like, and he's legit and like scores double digit goals relatively quickly in Italy, then the sky's probably the limit on his transfer fee. Uh, so I would just say that there's, that is one of the things that I like about the idea of us going back to the well in terms of finding exciting prospects to sign for a club like Roma, you got to find, you got to find those, you got to be able to find those to be able to kind of fund your transfer windows a bit. Uh, and one of the things that's been great about this transfer window so far that I will commend Tiago Pinto for is that we haven't sold any key cogs just yet. The flip side of that is because we haven't sold any key cogs yet. We don't really have, due to the financial fair play element of it all, as much flexibility to just say, yeah, we're going to pay $30 million outright for Gianluca Scamacca. Um, the Pelota era Roma often robbed Peter to pay Paul. Uh, it seems like the freaking era Roma is not on board with that, either for financial, re- like financial fair play reasons or just like footballing philosophy reasons. I'm happier with that. I'm, I'm happier with a Roma that doesn't, just like sell off a star to be able to bring in an exciting new signing. Because every time you think you, because when you sell a Mohamed Salah, sometimes you get a Patrick Schick, you know, <laughs> and that, and that really tanks your chances. So uh, we'll see how this market turns out. If we sold Ibanez for 30 million euros, I'd be pretty happy period. Uh, I'd be ecstatic if it turned into us being able to sign uh, Skamaka uh, for basically swapping Skamaka and Ibanez. Like, I'd be ecstatic for that. Do I think it happens? No. I think that even if we sell Ibanez, it's most likely that we bring in Marcos Leonardo and either a Morata or a Arnatovic or one of these other guys that has been linked that's kind of more of a veteran presence to balance out the youth factor for Leonardo. Now, I did see some takes on Twitter. If we sell Ibanez, it's that kind of like what, what you mentioned, the robbing Peter to pay Paul thing. Do you think we weaken the, the defensive depth too much to bring in a striker with those 25 to 30 million? Like, yes. No, that's, why we signed, that's why we signed Evan and Dicka. It's a silly comment to say that, like, like, I, it, like, in my opinion, it's kind of silly to be like, we just signed an excellent center back. And I don't think it weakens the depth because we have Chris Smalling, we have Gianluca Mancini, we have Evan and Dicka, and we have Max Kambula, who I still think has shown potential and it's just that he hasn't really gotten much consistent playing time in Rome. 
Uh, add in the fact that we've got some exciting prospects in the back. And like, I think that it looks pretty good, that depth. But um, yeah, we, we got Lorente as the fourth center back. And Lorente, yeah. But the, the thing with Kambula, he's still out for a while now. He tore his a- ACL last year. I, don't I know believe when he's out actual... for four more months. Right. The, so like he'll be back in the winter. So like I would say that having a four defender rotation without Primavera players is good. And now someone's going to – then someone will come in and say, oh, but what happens when someone tears the ACL? The same thing that happens every time a Roma player is, tears, tears the ACL. It sucks. And like that will ha- – like even if we kept Ibanez, for all we know, he would tear his ACL in a month. So like I, I can't – I can't seriously. I can't take the idea seriously that it's like, oh, well, Roma has so many injuries, we're screwed regardless. It's like, well, yeah, you you hope to not have injuries; they're bad. But like, you can't you can't never sell a player because you're, you think that an injury might happen, so that your de- your good depth turns into bad depth. Yeah, I mean, if if they sell Ibanez, I'm okay with it from the perspective of Ibanez has driven me mad the past couple seasons. Um, he's one of those yeah, guys I, that I think that. for all his potential, he, I, I don't see him getting over those mental lapses. It's just been too many. I know he's only 24, still going on 25 in November. Um, but he's one of those guys I wouldn't be super sad if they sell him because we did get Indica. Um, you know, if as the fourth center back, I think he fits well as a fourth center back because then maybe you can avoid playing him against Latu in the Derby where he's killed us twice. Um, but if they were able to sell him for 25 to 30 million euros. You remember they only bought him for nine million euros back in uh, July. Wow, I thought it was less. Yeah, nine million, uh, which is which is pretty cheap. Yeah, all things considered, so it would be a nice plus Valenza for them because you're now two years. It's his third season with Roma. Last year he was the first year was alone. So you, the, the fact that that they only paid nine million, that the, they're going to clear pretty good money, um, which of course is necessary to probably sign that striker, whether it is Leonardo or they somehow find their way back in for a Scamacca or they go a completely different route. Um, I'm wondering though, if they do get 25 to 30 and they're able to get Renato Sanchez on loan, do they then try to get, you know, pay the 10 out to Santos and then maybe try to come in for Murata with another 10 to 15 million and see if that's enough to get him away from Atletico. I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, they're gonna have I to use that money yeah. for something, though, right? I mean, they haven't spent a dime this this uh, off season in terms of transfer fees. Yeah, we have. I I just want to make it clear though, we have added to the squad. Like people being yes. like, "Oh, we haven't spent a penny." We have. It's just not in terms of an actual transfer fee. We've signed good players oh, yeah. through free agency. Yeah, and like honestly, even if Roma had like billions of dollars euros to spend. I would much rather them do it that way. Like if there's a if there's a guy who can improve our starting eleven who we don't have to pay a transfer fee to another club for, yeah, do that any day of the week. Um, given the financial restrictions that we're under, it's even better that we were able to not spend a dime just yet. Yeah. Um, but I think that if we're able to focus our spending on, I think the thing is also just like as a separate note. Roma probably also wants to spend money on players right now who have a strong chance of being a positive return on investment later. Uh, so, like, that's why you sign a Marcos Leonardo. You sign him for 18 with the idea that, you know, four or five years down the line, you sell him for 75. Um, and same idea 
and that's not true for Morata, which again is why I'm kind of skeptical about what we actually sign him and why I don't think we would sign him for 21 million euros, which is oh, re- 21 million. No, no, thank you for 21 million. Yeah, exactly. I, I, if like, they give him for like 10 it. or something like that, I, I can yeah. live with it, but yeah. no, no, I don't want to go anywhere near that 20. But I think that even separate from the financial fair play problems, it seems clear to me that Roma is now operating in a way with transfers where it's like, we want to bring people in on freeze. And if we're going to spend transfer fees, we want it to be for someone who can give us potential value in the future. I mean, look at the Tammy Abraham deal. Granted, it looks a little silly now because of the ACL tear. But after that first season, he looked like an 80 million euro player. Um, He did. And I would say that given that mindset, it's not surprising to me that they're going for younger players for the transfer fees. And if they're going for a player who's even 25, it's often for a free agent. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do think no matter how the striker situation turns out, I think the overall Mercata will be strong. uh, If it, if Sanchez does come in too, because you, you probably got better on defense with Indica. You definitely upgraded in the midfield batting Awar and Sanchez. Right. And, and then it's a matter of what happens at striker. So I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I, I think in that sense, you ha- you're right. People have to take it in perspective. Roma may not have spent any money on, on transfers yet. Um, at some point they will, because it looks like they're not going to get a striker for free or on loan without paying for it. Um, but Awar, from everything I've read, has looked very good. And Dika is now that left-sided center back we've probably been missing in terms of consistency with Ibanez's mistakes. Um, so it's, it's not that bad. It's just, it's just been a, one of those Mercados where it's the same names getting cycled around and around. And I think frustration starting to, to, to kick in for people. Yeah, I think that it's understandable to be frustrated. I mean, we're in our group but text, also like, right? Yeah. And we're like, what are we going to write about today? Like, who's taking what story? I'm more frustrated because the stories are slow. Like, yeah. I just want some movement more than anything else. Like, I, I don't want bad movement, but I want movement of some type beyond us saying, like, hey – Roma's still interested in Gianluca Scamacca, Renato Sanchez, and uh, now I guess Marcos Leonardo. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. I, I want I, – we don't get the scarf pictures very much anymore, but I want, I want, like, movement. I want a new player signed. Yeah. Well, hopefully by the time we record next week, we, we have someone to talk about, right, more, more firmly than, you know, we think it's going to be Marcos Leonardo. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's probably it for now, Jim. Right? <sighs> yeah, I think so. More uh, hypotheticals and hope. <laughs> let's hope that we have an actual transfer to talk about next week. Yeah. So uh, we thank everybody for listening. We'll catch you guys next week, hopefully with a, a, a firm transfer to talk about, and hopefully this roster starts to take a little more shape with the season. What I guess two weeks away now. So we'll catch yeah, you guys catch next you all week. Soon. Yeah. Catch you soon. <laughs>